Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil. This episode is a little different than our past episodes because we generally speak to people, historical figures from the past. Um, sometimes we do it on, you know, a physical location or some ancient relics, things like that. But this time, in our most recent episode, it came up that it would serve us to start looking at the future instead of looking at the past. So it's not to say that, you know, from now on, we're always going to be looking at future topics. We're not. But we thought, oh, this might be an interesting idea to explore. So for this episode, we said, okay, let's look at the future. And how are we going to do that? And we didn't even really know until we kind of sat down together and discussed it, which you'll hear. And in the end, we spent most of the time speaking to Jesus, <laughs> which sounds kind of funny to say, but... Um, Yeshua or Jesus or, you know, the energy of that person came through to us again and helped us decipher a lot of what's going on, for example, especially with this war in the Middle East, which is a very current topic and something that affects a lot of people on a daily basis. So how do you deal with something that's so complex and so full of controversy and all these things? And so it was a really valuable, I think, perspective that we gained from Jesus as to how to deal with this, how to look at it, how to see it in terms of, from a perspective of spiritual evolution. So that was, I think, the main things that I got out of this episode. You know, as always, it's super interesting. We really hope that you enjoy this and, and get some benefit out of listening to it. So enjoy. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil. Victoria is in England, Brandon and I are here together and so we're super excited to speak to Vic today and do kind of a different topic. In the past we've always kind of picked historical figures or some historical places often from the ancient past and last episode we did the Polynesian people and it was really super interesting because we did it ended up going really far back and there's so many different layers of all kinds of stuff that happened over thousands of years in this one area of the world. And well, you came up with the idea of like just talking about the future instead of looking at the past. And so we thought this episode, let's just try to see how that all plays out. What do you think would be a good way to access someone who could come through for us that would give us some insight into the future of humanity? and what our roles could be. What are you thinking? Um, I was wondering, maybe there's a federation out there called the Galactic Federation. Maybe that's something or someone there that you could contact. Okay, hold on. There's something out there called the Galactic Federation. Well, uh, we'll on and you it's, should just call, so tell us more. Conglomeration <laughs> of um, ETs that have come together they've it's like an alliance and they help other civilizations evolve in certain ways because they can't impede the evolution so it's almost like star trek's thing but they're here helping humanity and i forgot the main there's the main leader of it and i forgot his name but they're like the arcturians the syrians the there's many kind of palladians pleiarians um not the Anunnaki, not any of them, but that kind of stuff. Those that group, and and there's I guess over twenty different type of species or races together that are helping, and they're one you can contact, or maybe Thoth, the Atlantean. Back again, how do you know about the Galactic Federation, other than from watching? Star a Trek? lot of <laughs> a lot of people know about the Galactic Federation. I learned about the Galactic Federation when I was in 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 the 1990s when I was in my Reiki groups they talked about it and then I met the near-death experiencers and they talked about it and they're the ones who gave me most of the information about the Galactic Federation and huh. and there's another guy named Sidney Sheldon who knows all about them and he wrote books on them and stuff wow. like that but uh, I'm kind of curious about this now I want to read a book on it yeah you might like Sidney Sheldon's okay so. and then and then can you explain about Thoth again Thoth um, is an Atlantean. The legends of Thoth have him in many different things that have happened, but he was a, according to what I've been told with the near-death experiencers, he was somebody who was able to become 
like an enlightened being in Atlantis. And he helped um, the Atlanteans learn a lot of things, but during their demise, when they started to fall, he was one of the people who was trying to get them to rise, raise their consciousness. And he helped those who didn't want to die during the fall of Atlantis cross over to places like Egypt. And he was the one who apparently seeded the Atlantean technology into Egypt, which includes pyramids and things like that, and helped as an architect of the Great Pyramid. He also was able to live a long time through a meditation called the Merkaba and other things like that. And he became, he ascended and became an ascended master. This is also woo-woo. Became an ascended master is right now helping humanity ascend. Is or was he a giant? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Him. I'm just like assigning that to a name. Thoth sounds like he'd be a giant. He may have been. Maybe he was like 10 feet tall. I don't know. So Vic, what do you think as far as the best way to access this kind of information based on your experience? I'm I totally, I'm into ETs and all that stuff. I haven't personally met the Galactic Federation myself. <laughs> and I'm kind of laughing because I know it may sound a bit ridiculous and out there, but yeah, any anything could be. I believe that. And I have met ETs. Um, right now, I don't feel to go down that road. I feel like to start with, it may be better to pick someone we know has had a human incarnation because I think there will be a different understanding of what it's like to be here and they can share from personal experience what they went through and, and how they can give advice on that. But perhaps for a future episode, we could do, we could connect to an ET or the Federation or, yeah, there's just something in me that's saying something human to start with. Okay, any ideas? Anybody pop into your mind? I, I don't like that Jesus came to me because we've already done him. But who else? That was actually the first one that popped in my mind was Jesus. Oh, really? Yeah. You had great advice last time. Yeah. He did speak kind of from that place of what humanity needs, as I recall. And I really loved having him around. I'd be happy to talk to him again. Okay. Because times have changed since we last spoke to him. So, yeah. And he can also give us advice as to who else to speak to, maybe after he's had a few things to say. Yeah. I think he's around already. You feel it? Maybe. Um, I don't think I feel him, but I. I feel this happiness Happy energy. Idea. Yeah, it's very different connecting to someone like Jesus over, I don't know, let's say Elvis or Princess Diana or someone who's had more of a human lifestyle, maybe because he's an ascended master or of a higher vibration, I don't know. But yeah, he probably is already around. Okay, should we just start? Yeah. <laughs> interesting I feel like I'm flashing back to times in my childhood because I went to a um, Church of England primary school so it was kind of based around religion like the reverend would come every Thursday for the assembly and then I don't know preach something and then on holiday certain holidays and events we'd go to church and I can hear myself saying things like calling him in saying like our lord and savior and I'm like that's so not me I don't really I wouldn't consider myself religious but then I'm flashing to points in my childhood when I was taught things about him so I think there's something there just about perhaps what we're taught about him and how much of like his true essence actually comes through uh, religion or stories we're taught growing up about religion it's like he's saying, of course, I was there and I was, the essence of me was in that, but it's fed in such a childlike story kind of way. So it's, it's easier to spoon feed or easier for people to digest than what the raw truth would be. It feels like that would be too, what's the word, um, abstract or untangible to for people to grasp so we have to be fed it in a way that's put into these stories 
maybe those are biblical stories, so it's easier to understand. But I kind of want to ask him if that means those stories aren't true or they're just like fables for us. I don't know why the first story that's coming to me is like the parting of the Red Sea. Was that Moses? Yes, yeah. Why is he showing me that? Like he's showing me that he's kind of highlighting that he wasn't the only person of that caliber or that could have made magical things happen. There are other people sharing, I want to say the essence of his work, but it's not even his work. It's like the work of, I don't want to say God either, but oneness or whatever you want to call it. He's not the only one that came through. What does he want to say about the miracles? Did he do them? Were, were, did they actually happen? What were they really? Was it just energy work? You know, I'm just curious what he what he would have to say about that. I feel like there were great things that happened. So things that our minds probably couldn't comprehend in this time. Because um, so much has been shut down that we kind of can't access that. But I also do feel there's an element of um, the game telephone where it's been, the story has been tampered with as it's gone around. So it's not like now where someone could film it and put it on social media and you could prove that that was real it's someone saw something and if someone's perception of that was like wow it was a miracle it was amazing then it gets blown out of proportion from what it actually was but I don't doubt that there were certain people with certain healing powers or missions here and they succeeded in that and showed up in a way that helped humanity and and did look like a some kind of healing or experience What's really interesting to me is that even in today today's age, which we think we're very logical and science-based and all these things, I mean, I think the, the scientists on the real cutting edge of this stuff are becoming religious because I think they're seeing that there's just like the spark that you can't explain that's just like shoots into things and like the quantum physics and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, I've been to a Joe Dispenza, what do you call that, retreat, people getting up out of wheelchairs that um, have had multiple sclerosis or whatever and they're running down the hallway. I mean, that stuff happens even today. So it's not really surprising that it could have happened only 2000 years ago. Yeah, I was just thinking that Jesus really wasn't that long ago in terms of our human history. So yeah, I guess this stuff does exist now. But it's interesting that back then somehow that's got passed down through books, the Bible, which I'm sure there were so many other instances of things happening, but it that wasn't passed down. So will Joe Dispenza retreats be passed down through history and used as evidence? I don't know. Well, they're mapping it now all in the brain and, and a lot of the stuff's being recorded now and they can't explain it. So it's it's pretty cool, actually. And that, and that's just one group. There's so many different groups playing with this stuff. And I think there's just a lot of different levels as to how we can live and different planes of existence almost. You know, and, and some people can transcend and they're operating up here where, yeah, you just move a bit of energy around and like things happen down there. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Yeah. Brandon, do you have something? Yeah, I had a question. I didn't want to stop where Jesus was going with what he's talking about. Um, so I have a question that I think should wait. Okay. I like this idea of the, the stories to access. Really, they're just stories to teach basic human decency and kindness and all those values that I think are within all of us already yeah let me let me go back to the stories because I don't feel like I've dug into that enough of finding okay. out whether yeah. they're like true or not and I don't want to leave that cliffhanger see I'm thinking more of the ones that are I don't even know them all because I, I don't remember them <laughs> or didn't learn them but what's oh uh, David and Goliath is that I mean this is all old testament stuff again yeah okay okay these are the ones that some reason stick with me but was that something to do with the giant and like Goliath is the giant and David's 
the guy with the slingshot. Yeah. Defeats him. Yeah. Okay. See that? I'm like, that's a children's story. That to me feels like an exaggerated version of what could have happened. So it's not that the base story couldn't be that somebody stood up to somebody else, but that person probably wasn't actually a giant at that time. But energetically or um, what they were up against felt like we're against a giant. It's like people these days up against the big corporations that have so much power. Yeah, yeah. So that's then used as, wow, there's a really good tale within this. How can we kind of, and I, and I don't see this in like a negative way where people are lying. I see it more as making a moral story. And to make that story more exciting, you build the characters and you change those characters. But the the meaning underneath of what happened did actually happen but the story around it has been exaggerated. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did he have a lot of say in the creation of the Bible? Like, is this something that he wanted in his lifetime on earth that he was like, okay, guys, you know, we should do this and try to keep these lessons. And um, so that instant feeling is just, no, I don't sense there was some need from him. He was just here doing the work. He wasn't trying to, um, what's the word? Memorialize himself? Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Okay. He wasn't trying to memorialize himself. Other people did that for him. What was the purpose of that life? Like, what was he really trying to achieve? Because obviously he has everlasting glory and like the most famous person in history ever. I actually feel like his human self feels kind of shocked that, whoa, how did I, I didn't, anticipate that to be such a profound religious figure that centuries later people base their religion around or talk about me to that extent like the, that power I have it's a bit of confusion there of how how can I have that much power because he knows it's not him so he wasn't here to build a religion he was just here to teach others yeah, and we built that religion. Humans built that religion. How many followers did he have in his lifetime? Like people that actually, because all the movies show like all these big groups of people following him everywhere, but I'm wondering what the reality is the of that. Followers is making me laugh because I think it's like now we have followers on social media. Back then it was people following me in the dirt. I don't think it's as widespread as you think it would be. It's not like... Um, across countries or kingdoms necessarily I think it's more within his own country and then over time as more travel happened more people with were displaced and and borders moved and stuff then his his stories traveled with but I don't think at the time of when he was alive that that was such a thing so followers wise how many would he have had I kind of almost agree with the disciples thing. Like he would have had his close group of men and they feel kind of like his messengers. They're the ones that look up to him and then spread his messages. So they're like his immediate fan club. But then they would go out into the villages or whatever and, and maybe tell their families and then they would tell people but it's not really coming from Jesus himself in the bible it talks about Mary Magdalene being a prostitute and information that I've been told is that Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute and that they were actual equals like she was just as spiritual and had a following like him is that true it makes me sad when you say that people say she was a prostitute. So I don't think it's true that she was. Although I do, when I tune into the energy of Mary Magdalene, feel more of like a a darkness, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in a, a negative context. It's more like the 
the dark feminine or whatever archetype she embodied wasn't the light compliant feminine that men would have been used to at that time or would have wanted so there's like this defiance in her which would then be easy to call her a prostitute but actually she just knew the power of her sexuality probably yeah and when we started this um talk we were talking about the future well kind of is that why jesus also brought up the bible because of the end times in the revelations of the bible i don't know specifically what they are but the message i'm getting is that from jesus like nothing is set in stone so if there's an end to that book or to this world that's been written he doesn't believe in that that that's concrete so a lot of people are talking so many different people are talking about how there's this big shift that's about to happen on earth um you know even just today someone said oh yeah apparently only 13 percent of the world population is going to survive um it's going to be really hard times and you know brandon's near-death experiences talk about you know having to live underground and all these things so and it seems that people who tune into this feel that it's rather imminent what does he have to say about that I don't really think he likes the idea of fear-mongering because everything around that just feels really like dark and hopeless like well what's what's the point and that doesn't serve anyone so what advice would he give to all those people that are probably living in fear about this this makes me sad it's like there there will be sacrifices i mean we're seeing it already there's there like jesus was you know he had to sacrifice himself for a message to the world that's happening day after day right now with people dying so there's probably some kind of contract there that that's that's a life that was chosen maybe um, I know that's a delicate subject. So there will be sacrifices and it's hard to stay not positive, but in the vibration of love or freedom when you're weighed down by the idea that all of that stuff's terribly unfair. You kind of get sucked into the darkness of the terrible things that are happening rather than the opportunity that's presented from that happening. Um, which is what well this is where the concern is this is where you look back at history and see how these things have happened time and time again and a lesson hasn't necessarily been learnt. like maybe yes more people have seen the truth and gone against it like the resistance in the second world war or whatever but it hasn't been enough to shatter the top or even the core so I guess you'd say that would be government or big corporation or and, and beyond yeah. that, it this this human arena is dark versus the light. So it's not we're kind of just these puppets in this play between uh, a stronger forces that work through people. And it's kind of like which one you choose to align with, which vibration you choose to to live in i'm trying not to get lost here so okay lessons haven't been learned yeah what i almost feel this block come to me when i'm like okay let's see the future then i don't work in in concrete futures and like i was taught in my training you don't predict the future it's actually i think in the uk illegal to do that so something to do with like fraudulent mediums act or something i was looking at it the other day it used to be like the witchcraft act or something and then they changed it to to do with fraudulent mediums that's too bad i was hoping you'd give me lotto lotto numbers <laughs> i wish i'd be rich yeah it's like it could be jesus placing that block there or just spirit in general but why do you need to see that why do you need proof of what's coming because if you had an outcome then you wouldn't try to do anything if you knew that it was a terrible outcome 
you would just be like, what's the fucking point? I give up. If you knew that it was good, you wouldn't do the work to make it good. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just interesting that it came up in our last episode. It's like, why are we always looking at the past? We should be looking towards the future. I like the idea of, of hearing more about, you know, the purpose of world events. It makes me want to ask, you know, this, this war in the Middle East, like, what is the purpose of that? What can we learn right now? What can we take from this thing happening and, and apply it to ourselves? Because I'm, I sort of, you know, my philosophy is, okay, yes, all these things might happen, but in the meantime, <laughs> they may not. So carry on with what you're doing as if, you know, because sometimes they say it'll be in two years or it'll be in 5,000 years. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. It's been coming to me like that Jesus has come through and this war is taking place on his home turf. And I'm sure it predates him as well of what's going on there. Okay, I'm going to touch on this in the most sensitive way. Do you know what is really difficult? I'm going to actually just say it out loud instead of thinking it. Of when there are current events, to know what the right thing to say is and to not upset anyone or come across as insensitive or uneducated. Like, there's always going to be differing opinions on what's going on or what the truth is. And everything I'm saying, I'm going to try and say from like the most loving space. And I don't profess yet. I say to be true but just putting that little disclaimer yeah exactly a disclaimer because it does I I find it difficult to there's this pressure to speak up and yet when you do it's wrong so I just want to create like a safe bubble here for whatever to be said and not have to think too hard or filter because of what other people would think okay now I can speak (laughs) Right, Jesus, what's going on? I'm seeing it as um, it's like the the earth has been being pulled from underneath. So when I tune into those countries and those spaces, it's like it's crumbling, but like being pulled from underneath to pull all that down. Why? It doesn't feel good, I have to say. It's um, it feels like destruction of of land for a um for a negative reason so it's almost like wanting to wipe out I guess that's why people are talking about genocide but it feels like to wipe out that territory for some reason because then I see nothing there I see the earth just bare and it's like well someone can now use it for what they want to use it for sorry I don't think I understand that so you're saying that what you're seeing is that whole area just barren because someone else has some plans for it yeah. and wants to yeah. use it for something? Yeah. What do they want to use it for? It just feels like human greed, like resources, the classic human hmm. greed of taking land for its resources. Who is orchestrating that? <laughs> kind of saying, like, follow the money. It's just, like, so beyond anything... It doesn't feel like a clear line to somebody. What am I seeing that as? Kind of feels like agreements have been made, but then there's like a a chain if you follow it, it keeps kind of moving in different directions. So it's not one clear line back to a person or a group or even a country. It's almost like a whole chain of different promises to different people. So if you let me have this, you can have this. And then if then it goes back one okay if I give you this and you get this so it's like this chain of command that's actually kind of hard to follow Hmm. does that make sense it does what I mean what kind of resources are there there that's where I think it's wider than just those two territories it's It's about control in general yeah but control because of greed for the purpose of greed it just feels like someone or something is playing on tensions that already exist so they make a promise to one side and kind of egg them on to do something about it people do you know what it's like it feels like that people preying on the weak 
so something happens and then they see it as an opportunity like okay there's a divide here if we take control of what's going on then we can take what we want from it i hope i'm not speaking in riddles maybe i should speak more literally do you have anything to say? Uh, I want to clarify something real quick and then I have a question. Um, and clarify that the near-death experiencers didn't say that we'd be living underground in the future. Oh. Um, and then I don't know, I haven't been paying attention to that and on purpose. And I haven't been paying attention to the Ukraine stuff and on purpose. What we've had in the past is CIA meddling with I think over 80 different governments overturning that many different governments was CIA involved in concocting this whole thing in that middle, in the middle East, perhaps engineering what Hamas did, creating an op opening for America to send billions of tax dollars to the Israeli government. Is that all something concocted, I guess? It feels so disgusting when you say that. I'm like, oh, I don't even want that to be true, but that's probably just my human self. Ugh. I almost don't want to confirm whether it's CIA or, or not, but what I do want to say is it doesn't feel wrong that this is what I mean by like praying on the weak is there's already a divide there and they can play both sides and do what they want to manipulate it. But I'm saying they don't get the backlash, but now they kind of do because people are seeing where the tax dollars are going. So it makes sense. Well, it's, a, it's a business. I mean, it's the industrial war. Or it's the industrial military industrial complex. So they make billions of dollars per war. They make billions of dollars by dropping over 20,000 documented bombs in the Middle East each year. It surprises me that it surprises other people that these things happen. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because it's, it's, it's continual. It doesn't stop. And people are just like, oh, my God, this just happened now. Well, it's been happening in all over the world constantly. So, And the UK got involved, too. I think we went to Iraq and and all of that. So over, I don't know, last 20, 30, 40 years, maybe, there's been so many instances of where we're getting involved in things. I want to say that nothing to do with us, even though that feels also kind of selfish, because if civilians are bearing the brunt of it, like there's humanitarian crisis to actually support people who need it. But I don't really think that's the reason why these countries go in and help because they're not helping. What I'm hearing you say is that, you know, the stuff that you read about on Twitter, which is that there's this like one world government and people are trying to manipulate everything so that they can control the whole world i mean it sounds like maybe that's true that there's people pulling strings the orchestrating event. yeah but yeah and then playing off like these individual um resentments that different groups of people have against each other like the ukrainians and the russians and then now like the palestinians and the israelis and and just amplifying it just like how they, you know, realized that in the U.S., like all those, uh, what was it, conservative websites on Facebook, where like nine out of ten of them were Russian troll farms that were like just trying to divide the U.S. with right versus left. And look at the division happening now. It's crazy, like protests across the world, people being attacked constantly. It's prime example of that happening mm -hmm. and then they said that i've also read that um people got divided with the whole like vaccination and the unvaccination thing and then now with this you're dividing those that group that was growing to be quite large is now now they're all split up with like are you pro hamas or are you pro israel or pro palestine whatever you know so yeah. um that they're trying to like whittle down the opposition and have everybody fighting each other but it sounds so crazy when you say that because it's like well who's they like is there like the Rothschilds or somebody like that that's where then it zooms out for me it's like this darkness the darkness that exists on this earth this is my belief isn't actually really from this earth it's external forces that 
maybe it's to do with the Galactic Federation. I don't fucking know. They're experimenting on us. I mean, we are just a playground for other entities. And, like, humans have attachments of dark entities that are trying to control them or or bring this this darkness to them i can see it and i can feel it when i'm with people i'm like oh that they're it's almost like they're under a spell i've been watching so much harry potter lately but it i keep finding like <laughs> parallels with it where um who can i use for example death eaters yeah, but more more like, um, I think it's in the Goblet of Fire when Victor Crumb's bewitched or whatever. It's like they they kind of put a spell on somebody and they're doing the work of the the Dark Lord or whatever. Um, so in, in this case, the darkness that looms. Whereas Death Eaters have chosen to join that side. Where there are people who unconsciously get things attached to them that's come from that energy of darkness and if you follow you don't even want to follow that train back because you don't want to know where it leads it's it's not nice but the darkness on this earth to me feels like it comes from like there's light and shadow light and dark that it exists somewhere right and it comes through whatever the the final source is for that I feel that it works through people unconsciously or consciously Probably an energy. Yeah. I remember from a previous episode you saying that, oh, yeah, the purpose of Earth actually is just this battleground of good versus evil. And that maybe other people are watching just to see how how that goes. And it's like, oh, let's just put a little drop of darkness and see what happens. Can the light come back and fight it or, you know, and maybe they're just testing it out and we've just had a couple drops of the darkness come in to see how the rest of us are gonna handle it. I don't know. Yeah. And what I does Jesus have to say about it all? Yeah, that's a good point. This is why I feel like he would say, don't think that it's completely out of your hands because I can see it as the, the real battle is nothing to do with what's happening on the ground here. But I feel like that would also be spiritual bypassing because there is suffering happening and you could look at them as souls who have volunteered themselves um, for a, a bigger reason. But if we are humans here on earth, then that's the energy we're meant to be working with. We're meant to be working with what's right in front of us. And that doesn't mean that we can't receive the support of spirit and, and look at the bigger picture but if you're a human, then you're here to do human work. So what can we do with that? There is a problem, he's saying, with the division, because the thing with divisive energy is that it's black or white. There's no nuance there for understanding, and that's just not how the universe works. Like it's, There's no such thing as black or white, um, and that's where people are getting lost it's like needing same with just identity in general needing to kind of fit into a, a box or a, under a label so that you feel safe so that things make sense but actually that's not how it works but we make it really hard for it to be safe to have a nuanced opinion on situations and then obviously the focus is on attack each other rather than it's like a distraction tactic to not really see what's going on. That brings up another question for me because I I saw some video of a girl saying that, I mean, I think she even used that term spiritual bypassing that, you know, she's criticizing all these people who think they're spiritual and like, you know, I don't want to think about what's going on there because that's just going to mess up with my energy. So I'm just going to be over here living my life and not thinking about all these atrocities that are happening, not taking sides and just carrying on to not get sucked into that. And she seemed to think that that was not okay. But that's a question I would have for Jesus is like, are we meant to get involved in all this or at least be aware of it on some level. Like what, what is the higher path 
when it comes to these conflicts. But what I can hear is how can you not be aware when there's people around you suffering? Yes, there might be thousands of miles away, but there are people like you suffering. How can we accept that suffering? And here's the nuance. Don't get bogged down and distracted by the tactics that are placed in front of you. It's like, it's almost like someone puts weapons in front of us like, as little tools and we get to like quickly pick one up and fight back. It's like this fear thing instead of just stand stepping back and thinking, no, I'm not going to engage in that fight. You don't need to engage in the mental fight, the logical conflict of who's right and wrong. But you can, as a human, care for people that are suffering without getting involved in the story of the fight. And I also know as someone like myself, and Brandon, you're saying, you, you know, you kind of don't, you stay out of it. I feel if I read too much and I see too much, it does lower my vibration and and drains me. And then I can't show up in this world in a more positive way because I'm so bogged down by the darkness. So this finding a balance of being aware of what's going on and not thinking, well, it's not in my country, so I don't have to give a shit. Earth is your whole country. Earth is your home. It's only these borders that have been put in place by someone that tell us that other people are nothing to do with us. I just have to think of my little two-year-old nephew as one of those kids trapped in a cage or being bombed. And then I'm like, I would die if I saw that was him. And that's all I even need to think about. And then I can feel what they feel. Well, I can't because I'm not in it, but I can have more of an understanding of what they're feeling. But it's so easy to just put the blind down and not feel anything. But yes, can you feel it and find the balance of not getting sucked into the mental story of what's going on? And it's so easy to be thousands of miles away not experiencing this fight, not there, and arguing about it. It's the silliest thing in the world, as if you know 100% of what's going on. You're not even there. And you're listening from the media. You listen from the media that who knows what they are saying is true because they've been shown over and over how wrong they've been. Yeah. And that goes back to Vietnam War. That goes back to even World War II. And so, so here we are um, arguing over something we don't know. We don't know 100% at all what's going on. And we feed this fight. And to me, what does that do? What does that bring us? That brings us more stress. That brings us more fight. That brings us more fire. It's throwing gasoline on the fire. And what is one thing that Mother Teresa said? I'll never be a part of an anti-war. I'll never be a part of an anti-this and anti-that. I'll be a part of pro-peace. I'll be a part of pro-love. And so you have two distinctive things happening right now. You have a fight that people want to be a part of. And they want to poo-poo anybody who wants to be a part of the love, the peace movement, which is a movement that is something that is ingrained in all of us. And when we come from love, we come from creation, we come from all the stuff that is very um, life-giving. And so does Jesus have any type of, like when he was, there's a part in the Bible where he chases the money changers out of the church. The, the people who claim they could talk to, to God was charging money to, I guess, the peasants, to the, to the regular people who aren't as high as they are, according to them. Was that a true accounting of him chasing the money changers out, being having a temper like that, taken aside, I guess? Of Jesus taking aside. Yeah. So now I hear him come in and kind of say, don't have this idea of me that I'm, I was perfect as a human because... Yes, there were certain messages spread, but he was also a human and no human is immune to human emotion or action. Like I can feel that energy in me and my stomach, you know, when you're riled up and you have this like this fight in you that the injustice and you just 
have to snap about it or scream about it or do something because it feels so wrong. I feel that he too would have had those moments. I read this book by Doreen Virtue of, um, she did a past life regression on, I forget who it was, but he happened to be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist knew Jesus and was trained with Jesus according to this past life regression with the Essenes, where also Mary Magdalene came from. And the Essenes were a group of spiritual people that were here to bring love and understanding and, and teachings to the world. And John the Baptist claimed that he was the fire and brimstone guy. He was the guy out there shaking his fists at all the things that were not true. And Jesus was the loving, accepting person that had this energy of love that he'd never encountered before. And this understanding and this ability to understand a teaching within seconds compared to him, which would be weeks. Is that something that Jesus was more, was his human life was more on that, that loving, energetic way that John the Baptist, then I have more questions after this, that John the Baptist claimed, or according to this accounting in this book, claimed. I kind of feel like he's saying, just as with anyone, that's what we're striving towards in this life. So it kind of feels like to be the most loving, compassionate being you can be is what our, all of our own ultimate lessons are. Yet in each life, we also have different ones that we need to to go through as well. But was that his main? Well, I certainly do feel like there's a there's a a different vibration to him. I mean, just look at what we're getting now, like this energy. There must be some kind of greater force or power behind his life. But I still don't think that means he's immune to the human emotion. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what makes us human, and that's what brings love. So he'd obviously have to understand and experience the darkness in order to bring the light. So in other teachings, like the Mormon teachings, and also what I learned from the near-death experiences is that, um, well, is it true that he traveled all over the world and learned? Like, apparently, according to what I was told, he's, he went to Japan, he went to um, India, he went to Americas, both South and Northern, and he went to Egypt, things like that. Egypt he learned other things there um is did he travel all over the world as some religions and some people remember i don't think he did the feeling i get is no he didn't go to that many places but maybe that's then where the tale comes in and it's like his energy went to that many places because the stories got spread eventually but he didn't actually himself his human body go to that many places that was my question too i had earlier mm -hmm. what would be his advice as far as dealing with or interacting with people who are very caught up in this divisiveness mm -hmm. i had something else come through on that actually that i wanted to mention earlier was that you know when you can pull the blind down because it's not your country that's part of the tactic that's why America and other countries have wars in separate countries because there's a part of them that knows they have the safety of distance. Um, so yes, there are many people within their own country who are calling them out, but there are also just as many people or more who don't say anything because they know they can play on that disconnect and a lot of us humans aren't in our bodies feeling, so we can't feel. We just watch on TV as, as buildings crumble and people die and feel nothing. But where, whereas if that was in their country, they would be able to relate to that more because chances are they would know someone or know someone who knows someone who was affected by it. Yeah. Okay. So what message does Jesus have? Okay, and now also another thing's coming back to me that, Brandon, you were just saying about 
Jesus being loving and, and rather than maybe having human emotions, but something there was saying to me as well, you can still feel love from someone when they're in their human emotions. So if he's fighting back or being angry, someone watching that might be like, wow, there is, I know the feeling behind that is because he has love and care for the people that are being affected by what's going on. So, so yeah, that coming then to say, now, how do you deal with these people? You can have a firm hand and also be loving. The, the feeling behind that firm hand can be one of love, even if just for yourself or for the people who are suffering right now in other countries. So if someone's coming at you with their opinions, this is where the energetic work comes in. Protect and shield yourself as best you can energetically. Protect your energy. And then just redirect that love to the people who are actually suffering. Because it's like they're standing in front of you, blocking you from getting to the real problem, which is people dying, innocent people dying. And they're there trying to distract you. It's all a game because they want to engage you in the fight. So don't fall for that. Disengage. And how do you help people not want to fight? Because they just want to fight. I'm not talking about the people they're actually fighting. I'm talking about the people yeah. in the West and other places commenting and having so much judgment around the issue. Warriors. Yeah. I mean, we saw this in COVID as well, even when it was the people who were fighting for justice, like they think it's wrong. There's still this energy behind it that's so like draining and negative because they're engaging in the fight, no matter what side it's for. See, I could, maybe I'll ask Jesus to talk directly to those people, but a part of me is like, would they even listen to this? Would they even, would they even be here? But let's see what he would say to them. Do you know what? He wouldn't say a thing. It's all energy, because he knows that he could say all these things like, it's just a distraction placed in front of you. Return to love, return to love. Jesus feels like the kind of person who would just come along and put his hand on their heart or on their back for the back of the heart and just let that energy radiate through because there is absolutely nothing you can say to someone that would work when they're in that state. Words won't win. That brings up another question I have around politics. Because every now and then I get this crazy idea that, you know, because I look at people like, you know, RFK Jr. who's like, I don't want to be doing this, but the times are calling for me to be doing this and yeah. getting involved in politics to help. But would Jesus say, no, instead focus on your everyday life and being and maintaining your energy and trying to spread it as much as possible without getting into you know the politics which is again words that nobody listens to probably yeah. or is that like what is the way to elevate everyone is it through change from the top down like government or is it both like grassroots as well and they meet in the middle I've never been sure about that uh, my feeling there is that some people come into this life with more active missions and active roles to play so I don't feel that it's wrong that he's doing that and he should be just sending energy because we're human and we're here. I think it's more when you're in a personal engagement with somebody and the energy is coming at you, it's like disengage and don't try and fight it. But when you're looking on a um, more universal collective perspective, what's better to do there? I think it when you enter, and he knows this, when you enter that world of politics, which is shrouded in darkness and infiltrated by so much, the strength it will and is taking from him to remain in a space of love and in his heart, in every action that he takes, in every step he takes forward, that's where his... Um, his willpower kind of lies, it feels like. So he knows he needs to enter this arena. 
even if he doesn't make it to president, like probably the amount of minds he's changing and lives he's changing, he's done something. But the the lesson for him there is probably to stay as, as centered in his heart and with love that he can because he's entering that arena of darkness. But I do feel like people need to. That I mean, they almost feel like martyrs as well, because just like his his was it his father, uncle, or whatever that got assassinated, that could be his story too. And he's facing that fear because he knows it's for a greater cause. Yeah, he's got <laughs> definitely a calling. Well, it's interesting that you say that he needs to stay centered in love and peace, because that is what I've heard him say exactly, like okay. in an interview is that yeah. he just has to focus on his own practice and being, yeah, come from a place of love. And when, when he's attacked verbally, he never fights back. He just gives his thoughts or facts. And it's really interesting because I'm watching just the last couple of days, somebody sent me a clip of this other Republican candidate who's apparently speaking some truth. Uh, yeah. And that guy will just like punch you back. So it's very difficult for me to watch. It's just like two people fighting. Yeah, he might be saying awesome things, but he's kind of like, to me, like how Trump was, just he just fights back. And then you see like Robert F. Kennedy, who seems more like the Jesus energies. He seems more like that, more centered in love. And what's really interesting is the near-death experiencers, I keep talking about them, but that's all I know. So I'll keep talking about them. They said that the Kennedys came in as the same energy as Camelot, because they said Camelot was real. And Jesus was in, was one of the Knights of the Round Tables, according to them. He was a guy who starts with a P. He was known as the, in, in the legends, Perseus? No, that's not his name. Percival? Percival. Percival was the loving one, was the one with the big heart. That's, and that's what the near-death experiencers told me who Percival was, was Jesus. Um, that was one of his last incarnations on Earth, and that uh, the Kennedys are a, like a reincarnation of that energy of Camelots, and that's what they were known for in the past. That they're the Camelot. So I'm sure he still has, you know, he has that energy. Robert F. Kennedy does. So. And uh, if he's chosen this incarnation and these these lessons, the guides that he would have with him that would have been handpicked to best support him with that they're probably well equipped for this. And I'm sure he has the support of spirits like Jesus and and other big names up there because he needs it because he's on a mission. Yeah, and, and we're all like, there's a saying that many are called, but few answer. And he's one of those few who probably answered. I mean, yeah. there's many people capable of doing what he can do, but he stepped up to the plate. And then other people would be like, no, he's evil, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, people can see how peaceful and loving that guy is. So, yeah, you can right. see it in his stuff. I don't, I follow him on Instagram and I like, like everything he posts just because I want to be supportive. <laughs> I, <don't> <laughs> I, I, see, I see you liking all that. I'm like, I need to give him support. But I can feel his, his centeredness. He's just like chaos around me and I'm going to stay here rooted. And I've got my wife and I've got my people and he's got all these kind of like Jesus. He's got this like barrier of people around him that who are supporting him and holding him up. And that's what's helping him. Like if he didn't have the support of the people and the love of the people, it would be a lot harder. And and then likely he will inspire many others to answer the call, as you say, or step up Um yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, my question. I still don't really know. Is it, is it, I mean, I guess it's just one of those things. You're called to it or you're not. And you just will have different roles. And in the meantime, you focus on your community and the, the people whose everyday lives you can affect and inspire. And also reminding people that just because, say, someone chose a life like RFK, who he'd be, have a more prominent role in the government or in the world doesn't mean that your role isn't important 
or that there needs to be like some you're only doing good if you're the whole world knows about you it's just not true like there's people working on the macro and there's people working on the micro and if you're on the micro like just keep doing it within your community within your family within yourself don't think that you need to be some big name spreading all these things like that's when you then move out of your heart and you start becoming a little keyboard warrior who who thinks they need to post on everything and have everyone see their name and their opinion yeah I remember you saying that also in previous episodes about how someone who'd had a really big life then went and had a very small life where it was just about affecting their family or something and you never know the impact that that will have Mm. it all matters and also like suffering is also subjective I mean being bombed and and your life being in survival mode constantly is a baseline need and and worry and concern but also there's things going on within people's individual lives like difficult family members or partners or friends like there's there's all different levels of suffering and it kind of doesn't make any worse or or better or more important than the other but if you can't even face your own battle within your family how the hell are you meant to support people on the other side of the world that you don't even know so don't get distracted by that continue doing the work that you have in front of you as well it's not selfish to continue your mission they're continuing their mission and you can have love and care but you don't have to jump off your path just because somebody else is suffering and that's on a micro and a macro I don't have to stop my life because say my brother or someone's suffering and I also don't have to stop my life because a whole country and millions of people are suffering Mm -hmm. yeah I think some people feel guilty about it I know someone says oh I don't feel like I should I can post these frivolous, you know, things about my beautiful lunch or the beach I'm at right now when all this pain is happening in the world. And I'm like, always pain happening in the world. Pain is constant. It's just not on the news then. Let's have some happiness. Yeah. It's okay. It's better. (laughs) It changes the energy levels. They did a study at Stanford where uh, I think it was they had a thousands and I think it's like 5,000 people um, meditating on peace and love. And that had a huge effect on for a week on the crime rate and the, and the all this other stuff as well. And they, they documented it. And they have all these other documented cases as well. So why are we choosing to suffer along with other people? It's like somebody limping next to you and you decide to limp as well <laughs> to match them. Don't you want to be the example and okay this is how you can not limp look at this i can do this i know you were injured but i was injured too and i learned how to overcome that that kind of thing so one of the things that the near-death experiencers were shown was that this is the the end times right now but not in the way we we believe it's an end of a paradigm and that soon when this ends there's going to be a shift and we're going to shift into a very positive community on earth. Uh, we'll, we'll turn our backs, not via fighting, but turn our backs and practically just ignore those very few elite that control things. Is that something that Jesus sees? I feel like there's opportunity for that. That's the the goal. And also feel that that could, it's almost like we're at the middle point where it's going to stop going back the other way but how long is it going to take to get there so we're kind of at tipping breaking point but even if we break through at this this stage the deconditioning the untangling the rebuilding how many millennia will that take it's not necessarily instant yes we might be catapulted into a new paradigm but for that to really ingrain itself at least a lot of generations need to be bred out because not everyone's going to agree well they're saying it's more of a consciousness vibrational dimensional shift 
Yeah, I hear a lot of people talking about this. And I'm scowling about it. Why? <laughs> I just hear opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. I feel like we've been at this breaking point, tipping point over and over again through history. And we haven't quite let it snap completely. We've let it bend to like the 90th degree or whatever, but not let it completely break. We've let it fling back to how it was. So maybe there is a vibrational shift and loads of light coming in and things to support us, but do we have enough strength and willpower this time to let it snap entirely so we can start again? Yes, that's the question. Do we? It's interesting. I had a friend who's got a very big YouTube channel, and I think it was when the Ukraine war started she posted a video about their life and people follow them because it's like their dream to do what they're doing. And she said that people were really critical and were on her case about it. Like, how could you be posting this like frivolous thing during when there's this war and people are dying and people are being invaded. And she thought about it and she said, yeah, because I think we need to spread more joy in the world and people watch us because they want to feel good. So why would I take that away from people? Yeah. And I thought that was a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, I felt that as well with um, TV shows and stuff in recent years. Like, I used to watch TV for an escape to have some kind of, like, romanticised view of life. And now all of my favourite shows are highly politicised and it's like they're ticking boxes of every agenda um, that needs to be addressed on there. And it, it kind of takes away the oh I'm watching this it's like nothing you have now is for fun or to feel joy it's everything's got a political message behind it so you almost can't free yourself from and then then you try and then you're wrong for doing it like with your friend I do feel really sorry for actually for celebrities and, and people in this time because if they don't comment on a situation they're just the worst person in the world it's like you need to prove by reposting something that you care. Why is posting something proof that you care? I don't know. That virtue signaling. Yeah. What if you're donating money in your own time and you don't tell anyone about it or you're praying every day or you're educating yourself, like, but you have to tell everyone that you're doing it, otherwise you're not doing it. Yeah. Well, I think this is really insightful and helpful. And... Yeah, we had the intention of talking about the future, but we're more talking about the present and what we can do right now in our everyday lives, which is probably a lot more relevant anyways to all of us. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Well, I just feel like the future relies on the present. The future is dictated by the present. So there's only so far we can look into the future. Future is just possibility. Now is the reality. Yeah, and it's true. What happens now affects the future and the future is just another now. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, thank you so much, Jesus, for coming to visit us again and sharing your wisdom, which is always so wonderful to hear. And thank you, Vic, for waking up early over there. And yeah, we look forward to seeing all of you again with our next episode. We'll have to figure out what that's going to be about. And anything else? Thank you so much. We'll say goodbye for now. Bye, everybody. Bye.